Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you're with us. Thank you, God, that your word is alive. Your word is breathing. Your word is um, speaking to all of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the great revealer of truth. And I pray, Holy Spirit, today, even as we hear the word of God, let our hearts and our minds be sensitive towards you and let our hearts be tangible to receive your word. So we pray that this day, you speak to us, God, including myself and everyone else in this room. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody say, Amen. 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 All right. Okay, so just now you heard about uh, Pastor Isaac said I'm a community pastor, insurance pastor. Yes, I love people. Uh, yeah, and I love uh, children most of all because I grew up, uh, you know, loving kids. And I have three wonderful kids sitting right in front there. Woo! Yeah. And my wife is there as well, Alice. Okay, so today uh, we're gonna, I'm going to share something very uh, on my heart, something that really uh, kind of burns within my heart. <laughs> okay, so it's called be faithful till the end. Now, faithful is a word that we hardly hear and also hardly uh, know how to live by. It's not easy to be faithful. How many of you know that? You can be, you know, you can be regular, you can be committed, you can be available, but it's hard to be faithful. There's a different things in that as well. Okay, so today we'll be reading a lot of scripture. So if you can just uh, tag along, okay? So let's all turn to Luke chapter 12, okay? There are three parts of the scripture that we'll look into and then also I'll break it down to you. Then after that, I'll, I'll show you how it all ties in together, okay? All right, let's read. Now we're going to start in um, Luke chapter 12, verse 13 onwards. Okay, someone in the crowd said to him, Jesus, okay, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Verse 16, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, let's uh, go back to the top part of the scripture. It talks about someone in the crowd. It's probably a young man and tell, he, he kind of like interrupted Jesus and said, Hey, wait, you know, Jesus, can you please tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me? Now, when we look at this part, it's most likely he's talking to his oldest brother. Now, we know that the firstborn will always have double portion of the inheritance. Right? Now, if let's say it's equally divided among themselves, then uh, I guess it's fair and square, right? So you won't be asking for a, a division of inheritance anymore. So, but he was different. He told Jesus, tell my brother to give his share to me. Now, Jesus, pretty cool guy, because he said, man, who appointed you? Uh, me, a judge. Like, like, who says I'm going to solve this problem for you? Now, in those days, I think this young man, he's also taking advantage of the law. Because why? Because those days, a teacher or rabbi, they can actually solve disputes. 
they are in the authority to solve disputes among this kind of a dispute, okay? So he kind of like trying to ask Jesus, can you be on my side so that I can tell you my brother, this, uh, you know, just divide that inheritance. Now Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm not going to solve this dispute with you, but I'm going to tell you what's in your heart. So he goes on to stay, and that's why Jesus said, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. In the New King James, it says, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Now, this is a big word, covetousness. I don't think many people like to talk about it because it's very, very sticky uh, kind of a thing. So it says here, in covetousness is so important in our lives, and we have to understand because many times in our lives, the root cause of problems is because we covet. But you say, no, I don't covet. I don't, you know, want my neighbor's things, you know. Sometimes we may not understand it fully yet, but let me expound a little bit more for you so that you can see it. Now, it is so important, the word covet, that God included in it into the Ten Commandments, right? Okay, let's take a look at the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, it says, You shall, let's read together, You shall have no other gods before me. Is it that? Yeah, okay. You shall not make no idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And last one, you shall not covet. Okay? Yeah, last one, you shall not covet. You know, sometimes we say, last but not least. Okay? And it's there because there is a reason for it. It's very important that we know that why is it there? Because to God, covet is a very, very important part of life. If we don't understand that, then we will notice that, hey, there's a lot of part of Scripture that we don't really understand why God put it there. So when God replies to this guy and says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in an abundance of the things he possesses. Because it's true, your life and my life is not, it's not, it's not in, in the things that we possess. It's not about your car, your house, it's not about the bank account that you have. Our life is more than that, isn't it? It's way more than that. It's not about what you have or what you don't have, but your life is more than that. And that's why Jesus is saying to this young man, so that because if covet is such an important thing to God, He included it into the Ten Commandments. And then in verse 11 in Exodus, it says, After that you shall not covet. Actually, it goes on to explain a little bit more about covet. And that's what we're going to see. It says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Did you see the word anything? It's like a blanket check, right? Like how you go interview for work. Huh? They say, all oh, your job description. And then last part it says, but you shall do whatever your superior says. <laughs> right? So this is what God is saying. Yeah, you don't cover this and that. But at the end it says, you shall not cover anything that belongs to your neighbor. And sometimes you know what? Sometimes we say, yeah, I didn't cover my neighbor's property and all that, right? But actually, you look at today's advertisement. Don't you think the advertisement of today kind of like subtly telling you, you need to have that. You need to have this. You need to be seen with a certain handbag. You need to be seen driving a certain car. You need to be seen living in a certain place. If that's not covered, then what it is? 
because the world is teaching every one of us to learn how to covet. And it's so dangerous, you know why? Our children are growing up in this kind of environment. Our next generation, young people of today, you are growing up in this kind of environment because the world tells you that it's okay to have what everyone else is having. It's okay to just kind of like borrow money to get something that you don't have, but you desire it so much. And that's what the world is saying. And why God put it there at the last one? Because if you look carefully, if you think about it, you murder because you covet. You commit adultery because you covet. You steal because you covet. You bear false witness because you covet. You are jealous of your neighbor because you covet. You hate because you covet. Now you see how important it is and how serious God weighs this covetousness thing. And that's why Jesus told the people, the crowd, take heed. Take heed means be warned. This is a dangerous thing. And sometimes when we hear the word take heed in the Bible, we kind of like read it very fast through. But no, every time you see a take heed, you got to dig in a little bit more what Jesus is saying. Because he's saying something that is so deep and so vital to our lives and that we got to realize it. Now, covetousness means to yearn, to have a strong desire to possess something, especially something that belongs to someone else. Okay, just like the example I give you on advertisement. Now, Eastern Bible Dictionary says there's a strong desire after the possession of worldly things. Are you living in this world? Are we living in this world? Yeah, we are. There are so many things that we would like to have. There are so many things that we see other people have and we say, I kind of wish like I had that too. And sometimes our desire overtakes us. And that's why it makes us to do things that we're not supposed to. Covetousness is a father of greed. And that's why Jesus says, don't be greedy. Okay? Because covet comes from, greed comes from covetousness. It comes from, I want more than what I actually have already. That's why the Bible teaches us contentment. Be satisfied with what God has already given you. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, For of this you can be sure, now listen very carefully, no immoral, no impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. If you're a greedy person, actually those words here is covered, translated into covered. If you're a covered person, God equates you to be an idolater, to be somebody who worships other gods than Him alone. That's a serious thing, you know. It's not mine, mine kind of a thing. It's a very serious thing. Because if you covet or you're greedy, that's what the Bible says. You are like an idolater. And there's no inheritance, no part of you in the kingdom. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The problem is not money. The problem is the love for money. The problem is the love of, I want that, I want this. Why can't, I have the, why can't I have the job of my colleague who just got promoted? I'm supposed to be promoted, not him. 
Why can't I get the grades of my friends who did so well? I'm supposed to get it. He cheated. <laughs> it's all desires in us that leads us to it. And what I like most, Jesus went on to give an example and a parable to the people, right? Just like he says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. That's verse 16. He thought to himself, what shall I do? Listen, this is the thoughts of the rich man, yeah? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grains. And I say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. How many of you heard this phrase before? It's not a new phrase, you know. Even in Old Testament, he's been saying it already. This is not a new thing. It's been old. But it's a, it's a thing that human, human being needs to deal with all the time. So it says that, But God said to him, verse 20, You fool! This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you... Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who will get what you have laid up for yourself? Is it your kids? I don't know. Is it somebody else? I don't know. That's why a lot of problems with family inheritance. Everybody wants a piece of everything, right? And then it says, verse 21, This is how it will be with, who, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but it's not reached towards God. Now let's take a look at the rich man. There's three things about the rich man that, is, that we observe here. Number one, He's a greedy man, okay? And it says here in verse 16, he is already rich to begin with because in verse 16, what does it say? He says, the ground of a certain rich man. He's already a rich man. Yet, somehow his crops gain plentiful that season of harvest. He was so greedy and that he wanted more. You look at the, ver the, the, the conversation he had with himself, okay? And verse, uh, second part of it, it says, he was also selfish. He's a selfish man. Actually, if you think about it, he had so much that he gained. What do you think you would do if you had so much? Come, normal Christian, what would you do if you have so much? Hmm. Ooh, somebody said what? Give, that's right. Auntie Moisha said Give. If you're a normal Christian, normal Christian, is that a normal Christian? I don't know. <laughs> okay, if you're a Christian, okay, you're a Christian, if you have gained so much, you would naturally give. Freely you receive, freely you give. A generous heart is what a person of Christianity would be like. A person who believes in Jesus would have a generous heart. It doesn't matter. It's, a, it's not about how much you gain. It's not about the dollars, but it's how much you would also give and share. How about the poor, the needy, the widow, the people who really need it? but you gain and you can give. But you look at this man. Whoa, this guy is really unbelievable. Look at verse 17. That's all about him. Huh? He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. It's all about him. It's about what he wants. Not enough, I'll build bigger ones. Because why? I want it more. That's why he built bigger barns to store the surplus grain. And then he says, All and I'll say to myself, 
You have, now this you is means him, eh? he's saying to himself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. It's like saying, ah, I have enough now. Okay, and sometimes this word, I have enough now, is really not true. And you ask quite a lot of people, eh? I have a little bit more to go. Can I have a bit more? I just need that a bit more. Sometimes you ask them, hey, when you want to serve God, eh? after I get this. Hey, you had a calling, a full-time calling for, for the ministry, you know. What, 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 do you, what are you plan? What are your plans? What do you want to do? Uh, yeah, let me finish college first. Um, let me get my first thing first. You know how I know it's real? Because it happened to me. <laughs> when I was a young person, I, I told myself, you know, before I go to full-time, I want to make my first million ringgit before I reach 30 years old. Well, it didn't happen. <laughs> I'm a full-time person, I'm a pastor, I still don't have one million. But I have one million up there. Yeah? So what I'm saying is, don't be like this guy. He's saying like, hey, he's so selfish, he's so greedy. It's like everything he has, he keeps on keeping it, keeping it, keeping it. And storing up for himself. Because why? That's not a Christian should be. If today you tell yourself, if I'm a believer of Christ, then freely I have received, freely I shall give. Don't forget who gives you the power to, to make wealth? It is God. It is God who gives you the power. In Deuteronomy, okay, chapter 8, verse eight, nine, 18 and 19, it says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. Your money is whose money? God's money. Your house is whose house? God's house. Your car is whose car? God's car. You sure? Not the one that you work hard and you got it? Yeah, who, who gives it when you work hard? It still comes back to God. You know, and sometimes because of pride, just like this guy, we say, I build the barns. I keep the surplus. I want more. Because that's how our hearts work sometimes. The wicked heart of the human being. The pride that says, I did it my way, not God. And sometimes it's very dangerous. Why? That is the root of covetousness. When you think about it, it goes back to covetousness. And the third one, he was greedy, he was selfish, and worst of all, he is foolish. He's really, really foolish. Because why? He says the... It says that uh, in verse 19, it says, you, sorry, it says, you have, talk to, talking to himself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years, taking life easy, huh? All right, it says, take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. It's saying like, wow, now I kill car leo, huh? Don't need to do anything. For those people in Hokkien, huh? it means now I can sit back, relax, put up my leg, and just chill for the rest of my life. It's not so. God has never called us to be kill car. All right? But God has called us to be something else, which we'll look into afterwards. Then, he is so foolish. The worst thing all of us could ever do is to seek pleasures in this life. The worst thing we can ever do is to avoid, avoid hardships. When you become a Christian, it's not all the rainbow every day. It's not sunshiny every day. Sometimes there'll be times that you are being tested. Difficult times when financial crisis comes to your way. When your children goes astray, 
when your income is not stable anymore. But yet, God says, blessed are you. We need to count on that blessed are you when God says that, not what my bank account says. And sometimes it's difficult to do that. It's difficult to do that when your bank account is zero. It's difficult to do that when you're in debt. It's difficult to do that because you cannot see God's blessing. And yet God says, don't be like this foolish man. He thinks he has it all. And he just thinks, I just eat, drink, and be merry. No, don't be like him. You know, the grievous sin of covetousness has two points to it, two parts to it. The first one is, it's actually dishonoring God for who He is. God gives. God blesses. Number two, being ungrateful to God for what He has done. If you covet, if you are greedy, that's what you're saying to God. God, I dishonor you. God, I'm not thankful and I'm not grateful to what you have given to me. You cannot honor God and be grateful to Him and covet at the same time. Listen very carefully. You cannot honor God and you cannot be grateful to Him and covet at the same time. It just is an equation that doesn't work at all totally doesn't work. So no matter what we do in life, we have to look back to God and say, God, you have given me all things. You are the one who has provided. I am blessed because you have given. You may not have all the monies in the world, but you have your life. Every breath that we breathe belongs to God. Every moment that we stand up and stay awake, it belongs to God. And sometimes we don't see it that way. And we look at the world and the world has more to offer to us than anything else. So today we don't do that. Because why? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? That's the words of Jesus. What if you gain everything in the world but you lose your soul? Just like what the Bible says just in Ephesians, idolaters has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. What if you gain everything, but you lose your soul? Is there a price tag to your soul? Is there a price tag for any one of us here? You answer that question. It's, it's for you. What is that price tag? What is that price then? Okay. So as we look at this, we know that Jesus is teaching the crowd, hey, the root cause of this is covetousness. It's them because of this young man asked that question. And then I love it even more because when Jesus went on to talk about the next part of the scripture in verse 22 onwards, let's check out in the Bible. It says, it talks about not to worry. Then Jesus said to his disciples, verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. So nice, right? God tells you, don't cover, cover, cover. Then he tells you not to worry. Wow, lot. Okay. Then he says, what will you eat or about your body? What will you wear? For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barns, but yet God feeds them, contrary for, from the rich man, isn't it? 
right? And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Isn't that true? Do you ever seen birds work hard for their food? Never. But God feeds them. And goes on to say, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? I don't think any one of us can. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? God is saying, you cannot do that guji red thing. Eh? Why you want to worry about everything else in your life? That small little thing, you cannot even take care of it. God is taking care of you. Why do you worry about the rest? God takes care of the birds in the air. So why do you have to worry about the rest? Verse 27, consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? If the flowers in the field, God clothed the flower in the field, the, it says the, the, the flowers don't even have to toil or spin. That means the flowers don't even have to do anything. But God gives the glory to this flower. And if that happens to the flowers, what more us? What more us, right? And then he goes on to say, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. And that's a repeated word. Worry, worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Verse 30, For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. Sounds like the rich fool. He runs after such things, trying to build his own kingdom and empire. But Father God knows what you need. Verse 31, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. There's a principle here that Jesus is saying to the people, seek whose kingdom? God's kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? Don't worry, little flock. Can you hear the tone of your Savior's voice? How tender, how gentle, how encouraging. Because he knows we are sheep who run frantically around when we have anything or when we're in trouble. But he yet, he says, don't worry, little flock. You and I, we are that little flock. He's saying, don't worry about things that you can't even control. Don't worry about things that you cannot even change. Why do you worry about all those things? All you need to do is what? Seek first His kingdom. And He knows what to give to you. Today, young people, you're here, all those who are teenagers, young people, I think service one is where you guys live, right? You know, Pay attention to God's word. Seek first His kingdom. What does that mean? It means forsaking all else. Priority. It's about priority. Priority, I will do what is needed for God's kingdom first. In Matthew 6.33, seek first His kingdom of God and His righteousness. Doing the right thing. Seeking God's kingdom first. That's a word first. That means it's a matter of priority. It's not saying that you give up everything else in your life. No. It's not saying that everything else is not important. No. It's saying that first things first, God's kingdom matters. His righteousness matters. Doing the right thing matters. 
then God will know what to do. He will add on everything else unto you. And it says here, don't be like the pagans. Don't be like the unbelievers who search and seek after all these things. And as a pastor, you will hear a lot of times that people come to us, uh, come to us and ask for prayer for the children, for the businesses, for things that have gone wrong. You know, we're not here to judge what has happened or what you have done, no. But what we're saying is that, hey, all of us, especially all of us who are believers today, seeking God is your business. Seeking God and His presence and His righteousness is your business. It's my business. It's not just working out there. Anybody who is a Christian, that is your business. Seek after Him. And all these things will be added unto you. Amen. Now, let's go on to say, verse 33, sell our possessions and give it to the poor. Hmm, is it for real? I don't know. If Holy Spirit tells you to do it, maybe you do it. Okay, provide presents for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thieves come, uh, comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You got to ask the question, where's your treasure? It will be, your heart will be at where your treasure is. If your heart is at seeking after God's things, then that's where your treasure is. If your heart is not there, your treasure is not there. Amen? That's right. So what are we worried about today? Ask ourselves, what are we worried about? What are we afraid of today? What is the thing that we are so anxious about today? Because God commands us, do not worry. Just like we read in the, in the Ten Commandments, do not steal, do not kill, do not worry. It's a command from God, do not worry. So we don't worry. We just seek first the kingdom of God. Continue on with that. It's a commandment. When we worry, it shows that we lack confidence and faith in who God is to us. And sometimes it's, it's quite worrisome to know that Christians are worrying. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, why? Because we, on one hand, we all say and we pray and we declare it, you know, in Psalms 23, you know, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will... Fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You are on your staff. They comfort me. We say that all the time. We declare it all the time. We pray about it all the time. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus with you? If you are not afraid of the valley, why are you afraid of your tomorrow's bill? If you are not afraid of the valley, why are you afraid of your results? If you are not afraid of the valley, why are you afraid of your business deal? Because you know if God is with you, you don't have to worry. If you are seeking Him, you don't have to worry. You continue to be faithful to seek after Him. We can't be saying, Jesus, you're with me, and I'm, oh, I'm so worried about this. It doesn't, it doesn't jive. It doesn't work that way. If you have God by your side, if God is walking with you, and you know that God is walking with you, no worry. Okay? And I also don't subscribe to that. Don't worry, be happy. <laughs> it's not just don't worry. Sometimes you don't worry, be happy, it, it turns the other way around. Like, oh, I'm so chill, I don't have to do anything in my life. No, it's not true. <laughs> you have to do something in your life too. You have to be diligent. You have to be hardworking. You have to be wise. You have to do what God calls you to do. Not just relax and do nothing. Okay, that's not what it's meant over there. All right, now let's continue on. 
So Jesus is not saying don't do anything, right? Okay, so we still have family. We have work. We have to provide for our family. We have a job to do. So we still work as normal. You know, we don't sit back and relax. If we do that, we'll become like the rich fool. We eat, drink, and be merry. But that's not what Jesus is saying. We still do need to be productive. We still need to work. We still need to do the best that we can to provide for our families. But as we going about doing all those things, you don't do it in the atmosphere of worry. You don't do it in the atmosphere, in the tension, I'm so afraid. Don't do it with anxiety. But you do it because, hey, it's hard work, yeah, but I know God is with me. It's going to take me all day to do something very important for my company, but yet I'm going to do it. I'm not going to worry about it. I don't have enough to provide for my family for this one. Never mind. I just really believe God will still show up for me. And that has happened to me many times. And yet God has provided until today. I can stand here and testify God has provided as not once He has ever shortchanged me and my family. Why? Because I seek Him first. And I believe in the Word of God. You believe in the Word of God? It's a Word of life. It's the promises that we claim onto, that we cling onto, yes and amen. If I believe in the Word of God, then I believe that He says, He is my Jehovah Jireh, He will provide. And I believe in that. Because why? If I don't believe in that, I become like a normal person who's out there who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. That's no difference for you and I who's out there. So for us, do it in the environment without fear, without anxiety, without worry. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't worry. Seek for the kingdom of God and all His righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. It's about the priority of things. And have you, have you heard of the saying, Man, money isn't the only thing, it is everything? Have you heard that before? Yes? Guess what? It's a lie of the devil. <laughs> it's a lie of the devil. You need money, right? I need money to survive, to live. Normal, I live money. But money is not everything. Money is really not everything. Can you save your child from running away from the gospel of Jesus Christ with money? I don't think so. Can you buy joy? and peace, and patience, and calmness, and restlessness? What happens when you cry 3 o'clock in the morning? Can money put your tears away? It's not everything. But Jesus is. His word is. His blessedness is. What He provides for us, those are the things that Jesus has given unto us. Alright? So now, I have this. Put our hearts in where it's most heavily invested. Put your heart and treasure in the kingdom of God. There's nothing to fear. Remember that. You have nothing to fear when your heart and your treasure is in the kingdom of God, is with the kingdom of God, and that's what it's meant to be. Then I like it. After this, Jesus went on to talk about the parable of uh, the faithful steward. Verse 35. Let's move on to with that part. It says, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like servants wait, waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that he, when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. Now, this part, truly I tell you, is actually talking about the master. The master will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. That means the master himself come to serve the servants who have been ready waiting for him. That's something amazing. 
When you serve God, it's not you serve God. When you serve God, it's God serving you. When you serve in the ministry, when you give your life to God to serve Him, God is serving you. When you're faithful, God is serving you. God is waiting at a table. He's waiting to serve you, to bless you, to lift you up again. And when it says that, verse 38, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. That means the master who comes back and finds them ready. Okay, let's see what happens. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak, but understand this, if the owner of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. Verse 40, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? I don't know why he asked. Huh? Peter will be Peter. He will just somebody, somehow butt into some things when Jesus is trying to say some things. But anyways, the Lord replied and answered. I think God went on deeper to speak, to address what Peter was asking. Who then is a faithful and wise manager? whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them the food allowance at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. Sounds very familiar? Like the foolish rich man? Yep. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at the hour he was not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant, knows, the servant who knows the master's will does not get ready and does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. Friends, this is a very heavy-duty verse. It's not my word, but it's what the Word of God says. Listen very carefully to it. If I can just put it in a way that we can all kind of see it together, it's this. Um, in New King James Version, it says, And that servant who knew his master's will... The servant who knew, that means he has knowledge of what the master's will is. And he did not prepare, and he did according to his will, he shall be bitten with many stripes. That means punishment. It talks about punishment. Verse 48, when he, did, when he who did not know, don't have that knowledge, yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be bitten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask more. It talks about all this part that we read. talks about stewardship. Stewardship and taking care of God's will in God's house. Stewards, they are not the owners. Stewards are people who take care of the master's things. You and I have been called stewards. You and I have been called servants. You don't own it. Who owns it? God owns it. We are called to take care of it. We are called to manage it. We are called to make sure it all goes well. That's our responsibility as a steward. So therefore, when we look at this, it's talking about the faithful steward who takes care of the master's house. The, the steward's money is not his. It's his master's. The steward's house is also not his. It's his master's, his life. 
is also his master's life. In those days, when a servant and master relationship, the servant belongs to the master. The master holds his life. Not him. He doesn't have his life. The master's hold his life. Just like all of us, hearing the word of God is like the knowledge that we hear. Do you know something? Every week you come to church, um, there's 52 weeks in a year. Every time you come to church, that's one week, right? You hear the word of God being preached in this pulpit. Every time you come. Normally, in SRBKL, you have a three-point sermon, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, if you come every week, three-point sermon, three times 52 is... I don't have a calculator. My math is very bad. <laughs> one, five. One, five, six. 156 principles. You can learn in one year, correct? I give you discount. Discount as in like, maybe some weeks you are not free, you're overseas, you're out station, but nowadays you've got YouTube, so you cannot miss church, you know? <laughs> so you're away, or maybe you were sick, okay? You're not feeling well, you're in the hospital. Even in the hospital, you've got YouTube, huh? okay? All right, so just say somehow discount, okay? Maybe 12 weeks you're not around, let's say, for whatever reason. So you're here for 40 weeks, okay? So 40 sermons that you've listened to times three, you have 120 principles from the Bible that you live by. You know what? The 120 is the knowledge that you know of the Master's will. The 120 is the Word of God that you take back from here today. If only, just ask yourself, don't put up your hands. Ask yourself, if only if I have followed 120 principles that I've learned from the pulpit, how would my life be today? How would your life be today? I know, I know, we are adults. Sometimes we forget what the pastor preached. When you come, especially when you go to your cell, right? Hey, let's talk about what the uh, pastor Isaac preached last week. What's point number one? Uh, that's okay. You're human. I'm human too. You forget. But what I'm saying is that the more we know of the Bible, the more knowledge we have, God holds us more accountable. The more you know, the more accountable. That's what it's saying in the verse. The more knowledge you know of the Father's will, and if you don't do them, you'll be beaten with many stripes, many blows. Those of you, maybe new believers or somebody who just entered into the house of God, you don't really know the Word of God. When the, when the Master comes back and Master says, okay, he doesn't know, but he'll be beaten, but not with many blows. So it's important, the Word of God. Today, we have the privilege to dedicate our children, which is the next generation. Can I say this, parents? I have kids myself. I can say this, okay? The only thing that will keep our kids alive and through the, their own life is the Word of God. Nothing else. If we don't build in them the foundation of the Word of God, covetousness will take over because they're living in this kind of world. If we don't teach them the principles of God, like what we learn from the Bible, covetousness will take over in their life. The worldly possessions will take over their life and their desires. They will have more desires of the world than more desires than in the church. And they will lose, seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. Why? There must be a grounding of the Word of God in their lives. If all else fail, God's Word will never fail. 
God's word will bring them back. You know the verse? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. No matter how old they get, they will still come back to the word of God. And I can, I can promise you, if you talk to some of people who are elderly, who are grandparents, they can tell you most of the time, those kids will have a good foundation of the word of God. Somehow, they will turn back to God at a certain time, at a certain age. And this is the promise of God. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it because that's the promise of God. And those kids who are here today, they will be the kids who will not depart from the ways of God. Your kids at home, bring them to church. Young people, come to church. Don't stay away from church. If you're in trouble, come to church. The last place to go when you're in trouble is to go out in the world. The world cannot offer you anything. Look at the, look at the rich fool. You already know the world cannot offer you anything. But God says, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So even as we hear this, the faithful servant will always have one thing in mind, the master's will. You know how faithful servant works? They are very focused. They are not concerned about what worries them. They are not concerned about what they need to look for. They are not concerned about, ah, I can get that thing. I can get this thing. No, they are concerned, they are focused, their aim is actually on the will of God. And that's what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And that's what the faithful servant is. So for all of us who are here, if you have a calling in the Lord, you be faithful. You be faithful to fulfill that call. Even as you look at this chart, don't be fearful, but be faithful. Why? When you're worried, you're fearful. Remember? If you don't have God, you're fearful. But you're, if you're faithful, look at this thing. If you're fearful, you're worried, for sure. If you're a faithful servant, you're very, you will remain calm. You will remain focused. Focus on what? Focus on the will of God. Focus on the things that you need to do in the household. Focus, like what the Bible says, you take care of other servants. Give them food at the appointed time. There is a reason why you are in the church. There is a reason why you are in the ministry. If you are a fearful person, you will be distracted. Things of the world will come into place. If you are fearful, you will be frantic-minded. Chicken without a head. Have you heard that saying before? Yeah, you will be a chicken without a head if you are a fearful servant. But if you are a faithful servant, you will be very single-minded, focused. That's what I want to do. Till the end, whatever it is. If you are a fearful person, you will be world-conscious. If you're a faithful person, you're kingdom conscious because all you want to do is, I want to fulfill what my master's plan. If you're faithful, that's the end of you. If you're faithful, it will get you to the end. Get you to the end when the master comes back home, the master finds you good and faithful servant. Don't have to worry about things like this. You know, sometimes even for pastors, or, or even full-time workers or whoever they are who are serving. Sometimes we have this talk and we say, hey, you know, uh, the person working out there, uh, they are earning like, wow, five figures, six figures. You know, we all like earning like, mm. don't you dare say those things. Don't you dare say those things. Why? God blessed you for giving you the opportunity, the honor to be a servant in the house of God. We should never utter words like that why should we utter words of what pagan is getting and we are not getting? Why is there supposed to be a covetousness going on? No. But we walk faithful. We walk faithful and God says, God, doesn't matter. I know I am blessed. 
I know you are here with me. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are still with me. I don't want to be in that position where I covered for the things of the world, but I will be faithful servant till the end. Whatever God calls me to do, I will be faithful to the end. I will not be distracted. I'll be single-minded. I'll be focused in it. And that's what it's all about. And how do we become that? We become that as we seek God's kingdom first. We seek God and we offer our lives to God and say, God, this is my life today. I want to give it to you and I continue to give you my life. You know, some of us are here, whatever things that you go through, whatever situation that you're in, whatever your life struggle is, your difficulty is, doesn't matter what, but as you come to God's kingdom, just know one thing. Seek God first and all His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You know why? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If your treasure is in the world, your heart will be in the world. Your body can be here, attend service, but your mind is in the world, your desire is in the world. Where is your heart? Where is your treasure? Are you seeking God's kingdom first? Remember, it's a matter of priority. Or are you distracted by so many things that you're worried about in your life? Are you distracted by even things that you don't have but you want to have? The desire, the yearning, if you have all those today, today is a time that you come to God and say, God, let me draw the line, God. Let me cut off the line. I want to be the faithful servant. Just like what you're saying. I want to be a faithful servant until the end so that when you come back, God, I'm ready. When you come back, I'm being found doing the good things that you have in charge to me since the time that you have called me into your kingdom. I want to be that servant. Would you just close your eyes right now and just ponder upon the Word of God? Not what I say. It's not about me. But it's but what Jesus has said in the teachings of Luke chapter 12. Our hearts can only be at one place. It cannot be at two places. No man can serve two masters. You will either love one and hate the other or you will cling onto one and desert the other. All of us have only one master to serve. You can only give your life to one person. It's either the world or to Jesus. Today, the call for faithful servants rings through the air. The call for servants and stewards that says, I won't be faithful. I will forsake material possession and I want to focus on God some of you those of you who have callings in your life I'm not saying tomorrow you become a full-time worker I'm not saying tomorrow you become a pastor I'm not saying all those but what I'm saying is that if you do have a full-time calling you better answer that call because that is a call to faithfulness to a faithful steward how you do it let the Lord lead you step by step. So the first thing I'm going to open up the altar for is those of you who have full-time calling before. No eyes looking around. This is a very personal time. It doesn't matter how, how old you are. A servant is a servant. It's not how old you are. If you're a teenager, if you're a college person, if you're a young adult, if you're an adult itself, you do know that God has called you for a certain thing, a very specific thing, and yet you are running away from it 
could be because of worrisome. It could be because of anything else that drags you away from the calling of God. Today is your day. Today, you turn back to God. Today, you come back as a servant of the living God. Secondly, the altar is also open to any one of us here. It says, God, I've been worrying too much in my life. I have so many things on my mind and I somehow can't get rid of it. Today, the call for you is that you come up here and you say, God, I choose to trust you now. Even as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Even as we sing this song, as you worship with this song, I just encourage you to come forward to the front and the pastors and the leaders will pray for you. Even if leaders, if you have that need, you'll be prayed for too as well. It's okay. All those of us who are standing, would you just raise your hand with me? Father, you see these hands that has been lifted up today. Father, we offer our lives to you as a pleasing sacrifice all to do the Master's will. Teach us, O God, to be faithful, to be the stewards of the house, faithful to do what you have charged us to do, faithful to walk in the calling that you have placed in our lives. Help us, O God, not to be distracted by things around us, by things of the world, by worrying things, not anything at all, God, that we will allow it to distract us. Father, we come before you today. Lord, even as we offer ourselves to you, O God, we surrender fully unto you. Lord, may you work in us. Mold us, O God. Teach us, O God. Change our hearts, O God, so that we be more like Jesus, so that we can continue to be like the Master, Lord, we thank you, O God, that you are here in our midst and you have always been with us. You will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, anything, anything that turns our eyes away from you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we remove it right now. Any worrying thought in the name of Jesus, we take it captive right now in the name of Jesus. We pull it down in the name of Jesus. Lord, we release to God thoughts of life, thoughts of encouragement, thoughts that will bring hope, thoughts that will be so um, rooted in the Word of God, thoughts of your promises that we can hang on to, we can cling on to, thoughts that we can just lift up and declare it and to praise you and to worship you, O God, thoughts that will bring glory to your name, O God, Lord, thoughts that are pure, that are lovely, that are praiseworthy. We lift it up to you, O God. Father, take away and remove every heart that is worried, but give us a heart out of flesh, O God, a heart that will long after Jesus, a heart that will seek after God first and all His righteousness, O God, a heart to know that and all these things will be added unto us as we look after you, as we follow after you, as we chase after you, Jesus. Lord, take away every worry about our children. Take away every worry about education. Take away every worry about our work, our business, our income, 
the, the business deals, oh God, take away all this worry, oh God. Lord, help us to learn how to walk in faith, in confidence, in trust, together with Jesus Christ. Let you remain our master. You remain our Lord. You are the great Adonai in our lives, oh God. Lord, we bless you, oh God. We want to offer our lives to you. Father, even as all of us who are here today, Lord, may you bless each person, oh God. Lord, may you make your face shine upon each one, oh God. And Father, we pray that the love of the Father will be upon all of us. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us, oh God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit until we meet again the following week, oh God. And help us to remember the Word of God that cuts through our hearts and minds so that, Lord, we will walk in your principle day after day. Separate us with your love. We bless you. We love you. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. And amen. everybody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.